I had an emergency with the customer, so I'm actually out in the coffee shop right now. Hopefully, it doesn't mess with your audio too much. Oh, no, no worries. Uh, just adds a little uh, ambiance. Not a problem at all. I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. Absolutely. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 5 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and I'm trying to be a little more enthusiastic today. Because, coffee. This is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. I'm back once again with a new guest. This week, it's Spencer Lambis. He's the founder and head roaster of Wilder Coffee Roasters in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I reached out to Spencer after stopping by his slow coffee bar a few blocks from the lake and the main drag of Coeur d'Alene earlier this year. The cafe is a three to four stool bar top inside of the fern plant shop, meaning if you want a cup of coffee, you're also going to get a healthy dose of green therapy. I'll post some photos of my visit to the cafe on roastwestcoast.com, and you should follow at Wilder Coffee Roasters on Instagram to see even more photos of the shop. For today's show, Spencer joined me from one of his wholesale clients' cafes after a hospitality emergency. If you've ever worked in a restaurant or a coffee shop or a tavern, you know that things only break at the worst possible time, basically whenever you're about to do something else. The cable only goes out before the big game, and your delivery only shows up late right before the Friday happy hour rush. I say all that because Spencer graciously took the time to chat with me despite working through something that was clearly more important to his business. The downside of that is our audio is a little bit rougher than normal today, and the cafe sounds, which I generally love as background ambiance, make a few sentences more difficult to hear than normal. I implore you to listen anyway, because Spencer's plan is no plan, which makes him unique as an entrepreneur on this show, and it is inspiring to know that there isn't only one way to pursue entrepreneurship in general. So wherever you are, make sure you have a full cup of coffee and settle in next to your favorite houseplant. I'll be surrounded by the ferns I recently brought home from the botanical garden. For an intention-filled listen of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, this week featuring Spencer Lambis, founder and head roaster of Wilder Coffee Roasters. And uh, I'd say welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Nice to meet you. If you wouldn't mind, uh, for the for the tape, just let us know your name, uh, the name of your company, and uh, maybe what your favorite Ninja Turtle is. Ooh, good, good uh, question. Uh, yeah, my name is Spencer Landis. My business is Wilder Coffee Roasters, based out of North Idaho. My favorite Ninja Turtle, I think, would have to be Leonardo. But you know, depending on my day how it's going in my change. I want to just uh, let the audience know, I've been to your coffee shop in Coeur d'Alene. Are you only in that one location in Coeur d'Alene, which is inside the Fern plant shop? Or are you in all, I know Fern has multiple locations, so I didn't know if you were in all of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we are, that's our only brick and mortar, quote unquote, location that we have. Uh, primarily, we're a wholesale roaster. And so we provide coffee for tons of different shops in town. 
we had the opportunity in 2020 to open up that space with Fern. Um, some friends of mine and I actually went in and leased that space, renovated it, and then sublet it to Fern. And then we have a clothing boutique in the back and a photographer that rents an office. And so it was just a good opportunity for us to uh, have a little um, place for people to come and taste our coffee and just see what we're all about without having to run a full-blown cafe. I had stopped there just last month or so, kind of found it on the Google map and just had a really great experience. And I'm sure that was because of the coffee, but also just the green therapy I was getting by being inside the yeah. the, the plant store. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a great combination for sure. I want to go back a little bit and just learn more about you and kind of your coffee experience. I'm wondering if you had some first experiences or something that happened to you with coffee or a coffee you tried maybe that made you think, you know, I want to pursue this a little bit further. I, want, I really enjoy this aspect of, of coffee. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I went to uh, a small Bible college in Seattle um, in 2007. Um, and when I went over there, you know, Seattle is kind of the coffee mecca of the world. Uh, I went over there and my drink of choice at the time was a white chocolate mocha with raspberry syrup. And my friends just made fun of me. You know, it was uh, not exactly the manliest drink that you could choose. Uh, I always got it iced. Yeah, never hot. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Angie Dalhannock. Uh, she was an amazing barista over there and she introduced me into the espresso world you know, what other drinks were available, um, the different types of espressos that she was pulling. It was just really um, eye-opening for me. And, you know, I knew coffee was a big deal up here in the Pacific Northwest. I'd never been exposed to it uh, in the way that she kind of showed me. And so since then, I've been in the coffee industry, part-time, full-time, volunteer, whatever you say, you know, I've been uh, definitely interested in it. But that was kind of the eye-opening moment for me. I'm like, oh, this is something that I didn't think, I didn't know existed, you know? As you're having that and you're learning more about coffee or trying more coffee and, and your friend Angie's kind of guiding you, at some point you decide to become a coffee roaster or to get into that side of things, which is yeah. a step beyond what most people who drink coffee decide. It's several steps beyond. What made you think that coffee roasting would be something you were interested in? And then once you started learning that process, what made you think, you know what, I want to actually share this with other people and I feel like I might have a future here? Yeah, so I didn't have any of those thoughts. Uh, it kind of just <laughs> fell, fell in my life. So I actually went to school to be a pastor and that was kind of like the trajectory I was headed. Um, I did youth ministry for a long, long time and several years into that, just, you know, uh, the church I was working at was heading in a direction that I wasn't necessarily on board with. And if it was just my church, I could be like, oh, peace out, see you later. But when it's your job, you know, you're kind of like, oh, this is, you know, a little bit more complicated than just stepping out uh, from that space. And uh, a friend of mine um, had a tiny coffee roasting company. And uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of his coffee. You know, I wasn't the fan, a biggest fan of how he roasted it. But um, he asked me if I'd like to consider taking it over. He wanted to move out of the area. And at this point, you know, I had been in the coffee industry for probably seven, seven years or so, seven, eight years, and managed my own, or managed a coffee shop for uh, a local roaster. 
uh, for a few years. And so I had some experience on the barista side of things, on the management side of things. But I, I remember telling my wife probably six months before he approached me, I, I don't want to own my own business. I don't want to roast coffee, you know. And uh, she's had the idea, the notion that I'd be in coffee for a long time. And so I just felt like that was something I was supposed to do and took over his company, started my own company, kind of absorbed his, and uh, it just blew up. And uh, since day one, we've been paying all the bills and you know, I got two young boys and taking care of them. And it's been uh, a big blessing, but a wild ride for sure. You mentioned kind of your path where you were on a trajectory to become a pastor and the church that you were with wasn't necessarily going in the same direction, but what made you decide not to just find another church or a church that did mesh up with the values that you felt were important to you? Sure. Yeah. I I don't necessarily know, Um, you know, as you were kind of looking around to see what's next in your life. It just kind of fell into place. And, you know, when something feels right, you just go with that. And, yeah, I don't want to say I had an a identity crisis or, like, a whole life crisis or anything like that, but definitely taking uh, internal inventory of, uh, you know, where are my values? You know, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to do something that would, like you said, if I found another church, would I just run into the same problem down the road? Um, you know, starting your own business, uh, if, if you don't have a whole lot of inner struggles and inner arguments with yourself, like starting a business can be super fun, super rewarding, and it has been. Uh, I'm definitely not the, the businessman that uh, a lot of my friends are. And, you know, up here in North Idaho, we have a ton of young entrepreneurs, and just that, that culture is just continuing to grow up in this area. And so I'm kind of a black sheep in a lot of ways to those guys. You know, they have business plans and goals and just agendas. And I'm uh, very much, you know, let's let's have fun and let's you know, continue to do what I love as long as I can. I would point out that even though you have taken a different path, coffee is something that brings people together in a community and that they commune over, which is very similar to church. Coffee, at least in my experience, was always integral to kind of the post-church experience, Yeah, uh, especially when I was younger. And, and there are a lot of similarities in that it's bringing people together and, and coffee is kind of just a, a foundational piece of what anchors people together. Absolutely. Your, the name of your company is Wilder. What does that, where did that name come from? And then I'm wondering kind of about, um, you mentioned you have two young sons and and a wife. How does the family impact what you're doing with the business? So I have twin boys. Uh, They're six now. Um, When we started the business, they were one. And one of their middle names is Wilder. So that's kind of where that came from. Of course, after we named the business Wilder, you see all these trendy boutiques and all this stuff take that name as well. And uh, we weren't trying to be cool. It is one of my son's middle names, but it fit uh, our business and our brand. And so we just went with that. You know, my family is, uh, I constantly uh, have to recalibrate to bring them back to the center of why I do what I do. And, um, you know, working towards having more time with them, working towards uh, being the best husband that I can, being the best father that I can. You know, I love coffee. It's great. I love the people that I work for, that I work with, that I roast for. 
like you said, coffee is a big uh, community, a big part of the community, and it creates its own community. And I love being a part of that. But, um, you know, when my kids are adults and I look back at who their dad was growing up, I would much rather be the dad that was there and hang out with them as much as I can, um, rather than the guy that works way too much to build this business that sometimes maybe more important than them, you know. So I try to push those feelings away when I get either too excited about doing something for the business or too stressed about doing something for the business and just bring back to, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. Yeah, they are not old enough to help me out at work yet, but once they get there, uh, I think it'd be super fun. And, you know, just trying to keep family, you know, we are a family owned and operated business, um, but yeah, just trying to keep that as my top priority for sure. sure. How does that impact your vision for the future of Wilder then? As you mentioned, trying to be there as much as possible. I come from a, a hospitality family. I started working for my parents when I was about nine. So you only have a few years away. <laughs> I was definitely uh, unloading coolers and uh, cleaning under booths when I was about nine years old. As far as growth goes, you mentioned you're a wholesale, you have this one location, but does that family thought process or how does that impact your vision for the growth of this company or non-growth of this company, kind of strategic, not growth? Yeah, um, my dad uh, is a businessman and been in the game for a while. And uh, I remember him telling me one time, you know, if your business isn't growing, it's dying. And I'm sure there's exceptions to that rule. But I've always uh, had a problem with that saying and I want to prove it wrong, you know? And so, you know, we, from day one, had such organic growth. Um, a lot of the people that I work with are also small business owners and um, have that same family mentality. And so as we look at, um, you know, what will this company look like in two years, in five years, I, I really don't have uh, a set goal or idea of what it should be. You know, I'm just kind of going with the flow. Um, you know, 2020 came around and... A lot of small businesses had to close their doors because of the pandemic. And that year we actually grew as a company by 70%, which is absolutely insane. And then the next year we grew another 30%. And then this year we're on track to grow another 30%. And it's just something that, you know, I didn't put a ton of effort into making that happen. We've had word of mouth. I've been in our city since I was seven. So I have a lot of connections with people up here and it's just been um, just a big blessing um, just to be a part of the community and so as far as like what our business looks like like I have like oh it'd be cool one day if we could do this or do this and um, but those definitely don't steer the business I just kind of let the business uh, you know do its own thing and um, I, I do what's right for me and my family and what's right for my customers and if there's ever like a uh, disconnect with that, then I, I just walk away from that situation. You know, it's not uh, worth it to me to grow my business at the expense of something else. And so, yeah, we just find what, what works well for us. And, you know, I do have several employees that help me run. I think you met Savannah down at the coffee bar and she's great. I, I love all the, the team members down there, but as a business, I don't, I don't want to outgrow myself. And so, you know, it's uh, so far been a good experience. Um, there are some seasons that are busier than others, but it's been just really favorable for me. And, you know, I don't know if that's something it's 
because of my personality or my experiences. Maybe it's a combination of all of it, um, but it's just been a really awesome experience and unique enough where I can't point to what I'm doing as like, oh, if you're trying to start a business, do this, you know, because it's, it's <laughs> definitely not the, uh, the standard way to start a business for sure. Well, your, your business growth kind of correlates with the growth of that Coeur d'Alene region generally over, you know, say the last decade or so as it's been exploding just first with tourism and then with people moving there and then with the pandemic, I know even more growth. Uh, and with coffee companies, there's a whole bunch of coffee-based uh, businesses in that kind of northern Idaho, uh, eastern Washington area that are doing really interesting things. Absolutely. You You are a relatively small batch coffee roaster. And I'm so, there aren't a lot of offerings at your, at your coffee, uh, at your coffee bar, which is a slow bar. How does working in smaller batches benefit you? What is the value of that to you? And you mentioned early on that, uh, when you kind of got your starting coffee, you were drinking iced mochas and, (laughs) and obviously you've gone, uh, I don't, I don't know what you drink in your personal life. I'll ask you about that later, but at least with your coffee company, you've gone in a different direction, offering single origin coffees. And what does working in those small batches offer you? And what is kind of your philosophy when you are working with them? Yeah. Um, so the wholesale side of things, working in small batches allows me to offer each one of my clients um, a custom roast. And so we, you know, we do have our house espresso, but, you know, each one of my coffee shops or stands that I roast for, you know, we work together and get them a roast that's proprietary to their location. And, you know, working in small batches allows me to um, just create that for them without having to stress about how much coffee is coming in and how much I'm putting out. You know, I can just hone in, just cater each batch to their specific roast. On the retail side of things, um, I remember early on in my coffee days, I went to another local roaster. We had a I think we had a lot of competition or something like that and they were test running a new espresso that they had been developing and tasting that and you know it tasted like blueberry muffins and i was like oh shoot this is really really interesting and then uh you know maybe a year or two later having a pour over you know i think it was a guji and just tasted like you bit into a warm orange you know with like this real sweet floral aroma and just amazing you know when you think of coffee generally you know people think of starbucks or whatever but to have something that just hits your palate so differently uh, was just really inspiring to me for me trying to seek those out and not necessarily replicate that but to find what flavors already exist in the coffees that i'm purchasing and you know bring out the best uh, of those coffees you know coffees of fruit and so uh, when we just ramp up the roast and burn the heck out of it, we lose a lot of those flavors. So when you know, I'm working with those small batches, um, just really taking the time and care to, to see what flavors we can find and then how we can adjust to enhance those flavors. Um, it's super fun part of my job. That's what drives why I do what I do, you know. Well, working with a smaller batch can also be a little bit more challenging and frankly, more expensive if you are trying to meet certain certain values. And And I noticed just as I was researching you, uh, your company, that things like transparency and chemical free and sustainability are values that you put forth as part of your company. Yeah. Why is that important to you and, and how has it impacted how you operate? 
Yeah, I think with small batches, you know, we we are an artisan roaster, so we don't have any automation to our roasting, but we do, you know, use a roasting software. And so we track every roast uh, through that software. And then I log every roast by hand. And, you know, there, there are a lot of practices that, and you can do a lot of shady things in business. And, you know, for me, finding importers, the Q graders that I work with, you know, looking at what their values are as the businesses that they are and syncing those up with mine and then continuing that process down to my customers. You know, when people, I invite the questions, I invite, you know, uh, okay, where do we get our coffee? You know, what farms does it come from? What regions does it come from? How are those practices matching up to our standards? And, uh, you know, we do a lot of work with, we try to do a lot of work with farms and co-ops and, organizations that elevate, you know, different either minorities, uh, women in the coffee community, and just working with businesses and companies, producers that just have high standards, you know, and I think that when you seek that out, your product is going to speak for itself. And hopefully people will see that not only in your product, but in the character of your company as well. You briefly kind of mentioned that some of your wholesale clients are coffee stands. And I would say coffee kiosks are like a uniquely Pacific Northwest phenomenon. Like you just don't see that in the same amount of quantity and popularity in other places in the United States. But traditionally and stereotypically, you wouldn't say that they would be craft coffee kiosks for the most part, like a a local roaster like you or Evans Brothers or Doma or someone like that might be. If you are trying to meet those standards as a coffee company, I assume you're also trying to elevate the product that you're giving out to your wholesale clients on these white labeled products that maybe don't have your name on them. How do you convince those clients that it's a good thing to pay more for what they're what they're putting out when traditionally they haven't had to? Sure. You know, I think my answer is twofold. Being a smaller business and I don't have the amount of employees that these other businesses have. And so my overhead can be a little bit less than those other companies. And, you know, instead of keeping my price the same as my competitions, you know, I'm going to pass some of those savings on to my customers. And so I think that, you know, being a smaller operation and just being kind of particular with the people that you partner with, you're able to offer them a very competitive price uh, for specialty coffee, for craft coffee. I think the other side of that is, you know, a little bit of education of, you know, what to look for in coffee, you know, necessarily if they're just getting um, a huge roaster out of Seattle or, you know, Cafe Darte, whatever it is, Um, and just kind of introducing them, your customers or future customers to uh, your coffee and why it tastes a little bit better. Uh, Working with them on, you know, Maybe they had a roast that they really loved and they want to match that, but support uh, a local business. Um, So just working with them to see what their desires are to get out of that roast and then put together a a roast profile, a blend that would meet their expectations and their, just what they desire to serve out of their shop. Um, It's not all the time what I would choose to serve out of their shop, but you know, if I can create a custom quality product that leaves them happy and you know they're able to support another local small business and i know that all that coffee comes from uh sustainable uh transparent sources um you know i think everybody wins at that point and if everybody wins i'm happy you know it's a, a good place to be
speaking of everyone winning, you have recently, I believe, or are turning five or have turned five as a company. Um, you mentioned earlier that you don't necessarily have these huge strategic growth plans. You're kind of making decisions as you go. And and so far it's been working. But what do you, what is next maybe in the, the immediate future for you and, and Wilder Coffee? And and what phase of the business do you see yourself in right now? Where where what's happening uh, on the horizon? Yeah. Also, congratulations on turning five. Hey, That's a huge milestone. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've been told that. <laughs> like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, it's been kind of a, a blur. I've had a bunch of businesses not turn five. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, super thankful. Super thankful for uh, turning five and. You know, it's it's been a blur. I think the pandemic has helped that a little bit. You know, so you've you've been to our store bar, and you know, some people they'll find it on Yelp or Google or whatever. A lot of it's word of mouth. Sometimes we have a little sandwich board out there, but it kind of has this this feel of this little hidden gem almost. You know, we're not we're not this big storefront. We don't have any flashy advertising. I remember I went to uh, New York City a few years back, and um, this was before I had my own business. And I just saw a little chalkboard sign that said espresso and an arrow. You know, and it was like 7 a.m. and I was going for a walk, and so I just turned down this little uh, alleyway, and there's this little—I think it doubled as some sort of a nightclub. But in the morning, they served espresso, and it was amazing. This awesome barista, beautiful machine. Uh, excellent cup of coffee, and I remember thinking, like, I, if I didn't see that little sign, I would have never known, you know. And so I think when you know, any of us, when we find that restaurant or a coffee shop or art gallery, whatever it is, it's just the you know that hidden gem. So I think that's that's something that I try to bring to our business. And um, you know, as we have turned five and we now have somewhat of a reputation, um, just letting that kind of uh, take off grow into what it's going to grow into and so if i can kind of you know right now cultivate that and you know not necessarily advertise myself as something that i'm not or something that i want to be but not advertise myself as something that i necessarily want to be but you know to be authentic and be true to what we're doing now i think that's that's our game plan for now and um, as we go into uh, 2023 and continue to bring our community and you know, the, our online subscription customers this uh, quality coffee. And, you know, I, I sound like a, a broken record, but, you know, not having a strategy is kind of my strategy and um, playing it by ear. You know, I think that Turning five, like you said, is a milestone. And, you know, I think for us, I can see ourselves easily going another five years and having just as much fun as we've had the past five. You know, we get more efficient, we get more excited about some of the coffees that we see coming down the line. And, uh, yeah, I'm just real thankful to be where I'm at. And, yeah, not, not too. I don't feel too ambitious, but I am excited to uh, just continue what I do and do it well and do it well for the people that uh, are my customers. This is meant to be a compliment, and I don't think it's going to sound that way. But talking <laughs> with you now, 
is making me anxious because I feel like you should have more anxiety about the future because I am constantly anxious about the future. So I, yeah. I am envious and uh, I mean that as a compliment if, uh, if it didn't come off that way. No, thank you. Since those beginning days when you were drinking um, what ultimately are delicious iced mocha coffees because milk and cream and sugar and coffee together is just like ice cream, essentially, yeah, in a good way. What is it that you're drinking now if you were to be out on the road with the family and stop to get a cup of coffee? Yeah, you know, I, I am a sucker for a good pour over when a company does cold brew really well, that it's a spot. But a lot of times, you know, if I'm going to another roaster in town, you know, we like to support the fellow roasters here in town. So we'll hit shops around town and hang out and uh, we all kind of know each other. And so it's a, a cool community to be a part of. But I love seeing what they're debuting as batch drip. You know, I think that batch coffee can be really uh, surprising sometimes at how delicious it is. You know, I think you're in San Diego right now. I see your shirt says Escondido. I was born in Escondido, so that's awesome. But my family and I try to frequent uh, San Diego as much as possible. We're actually heading down there next week. And I love going to uh, Bird Rock and you know Modern Times and just all these cool shops in town and seeing what they have as drip. Because I think drip is like the, the dark horse that kind of gets forgotten. But when it hits well, it's just awesome. So. I probably will just get batch drip unless uh, the barista suggests something really awesome uh, on pullover or if they have siphons. Siphons are super fun. Occasionally, I'll get uh, a dopio if I need an extra little something in the morning. Um, but most of the time, when you're with family, you know, you're getting the pastries and you're sitting and you're having a good time. And so I'll get something, you know, a little bit larger drink than the espresso. I'm not a super into the milk drinks right now you know the lattes and the cappuccinos uh they definitely have their place but you know when i spend most of the week uh roasting and testing and calibrating espresso when i go out you know i want something a little bit different than that for sure well uh there are plenty of great new coffee places to try when you come down to visit I, I want to give you one last, or one i don't want to give you a last chance i'd like to give you a chance if there's anything that we didn't cover today that you'd like to just to say about yourself or about your company or about your thoughts about coffee? Yeah, uh, I think if I had to describe all of that in a word, it would be thankful. Um, you know, coffee is, uh, it's probably because I'm addicted to it, but I'm very thankful for it, you know, and how it has uh, changed my life and, you know, how it brings people together and just the community uh, it creates. It doesn't matter where you're at, you can find a, a cool shop. And uh, usually there's cool people there. I'm thankful for uh, my customers and just the support that they've shown me and uh, the trust that they've given me to uh, deliver them uh, products week in and week out. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I would encourage people to stop by the Slow Barn if they're ever in Coeur d'Alene. But there are, like you said, there's a ton of coffee roasters up here and we have a lot of great coffee. And so I would just ask that people find good coffee and start drinking good coffee. A lot of people skip over that, you know, um, but I think that the more people we introduce to good coffee, the more people will enjoy it that much. And I think as we you know, continue to grow as a, a community here, um, I, I think that's just going to bring more opportunity um, for us to share as makers, as artisans, as 
producers, you know, to share our our product with new faces, new people, and just build a, a pretty cool community. Very well said. Spencer, thank you for joining the show. I really just appreciate your time and and uh, finding a spot in the coffee shop that we can chat. And uh, I'm looking forward to my next visit to Coeur d'Alene as well. Hopefully we can have a cup of coffee then. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I look forward to that day. Okay, to recap, drinking an iced white chocolate mocha with raspberry syrup can push you through a coffee gateway into a future in which you not only roast your own coffee, but you own and operate a coffee roasting business and cafe. I think the lesson is that it doesn't matter what gets you started, it's where you go with it. There's only one official Wilder Coffee Roaster Cafe at this time. It's a small, slow coffee bar inside of the Fern Plant Store in downtown Coeur d'Alene. I love this cafe. It is one of the very few places that I made a repeat visit to while traveling earlier this year. That was not only because of the really good cup of coffee and service I received from Savannah. It was also because walking into the plant store was like taking a B12 shot. The greenery lifted my spirits and inspired me to spend the day happier than I might have had I not gone. There are all kinds of green or ecotherapy opportunities, including gardening or forest bathing or just going for a walk in the woods, that can make you feel this way. Spending time outdoors has been shown to improve mood, promote relaxation, and calm anxieties, not to mention improving people's productivity and increase their creativity. Basically, going outside or being surrounded by plants is good for you, and going outside and drinking a cup of coffee is great for you. At least it is for me. And disclosure, this is not a medical podcast, and I am not giving you medical advice. I'm just advocating for drinking coffee outside near some plants. The trajectory of growth at Wilder is unplanned. Despite learning the old adage that if a business isn't growing, it is dying, Spencer has chosen a different path. To quote him, I do what's right for me and my family, and what's right for my customers. And if there's ever, like, a disconnect with that, then I just walk away from that situation. For him, the best strategy has been not having one. And finally, in breaking down his experience as a coffeepreneur, Spencer finds himself being, in a word, thankful. As for you, if you are in northern Idaho and you find yourself needing a cup of coffee, check out Wilder Coffee Roasters in downtown Coeur d'Alene. You can order coffee from Spencer online at wildercoffeeroasters.com and of course be sure to follow at Wilder Coffee Roasters on Instagram. While you're there, you should follow this show at Roast West Coast. You can find those links in this podcast's show notes wherever you may be listening or in this edition of the newsletter which you can find and you should be subscribing to on RoastWestCoast.com. It's free to listen and subscribe. But if you want to join the upper echelons of cool, namely people that help grow this show, all you need to do is choose the paid subscription option in the newsletter. Thank you for your support and for drinking good coffee. It's Roast West Coast supporters and our industry partners that ensure this show gets made every week and helps us continue to grow. This show's industry partners include Cafe La Terre, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, First Light Whiskey, Marea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Ascend Coffee Roasters. Check out the recent Bean Journal edition featuring Ascend Roasters, and a shout out to Moster's Ryan Sullivan who gave a rousing talk at Coffee Fest LA earlier this week. 
This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. As always, I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. Oh no, it's almost gone. I need another coffee.